Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Peppermental. That's the nothing personal word of the day for November 10th, 2023. It is Friday. Peppermental, as in David Tepper, as in the owner of the Carolina Panthers, as in the team that we were all forced to watch, all 17 million, 12 million, 10 million of us watching Amazon, watching Al Michaels call the game, the guy who won't retire, love him, but sometimes you have to retire watching the game and all I was thinking about was Avenue Q. That may sound like an absolute non sequitur. Avenue Q is a Broadway show that used to play. I don't know if it's still open. And one of the songs is schadenfreude. Schadenfreude is happiness at the misfortune of others, a word that we've used on this show and a word that I absolutely love. People don't like admitting they feel that way. I don't mind it. I actually love when owners and presidents stink because it makes me feel a little better about the seasons and the years where I may not have performed as well as I would like to have performed. And it may sound petty and not nice, and I can't believe you're saying this, David. But if I have a chance to tell you that David Tepper, since he bought the team, has been an unmitigated disaster and we've covered some business things that he's done, that whole practice facility nightmare, hiring coaches. Remember he had Matt Rule signed to that great contract. Thanks for the wait to see. That was never gonna last that seven year deal. David Tepper has gone 30 and 61 since he bought the team. And he goes through coaches the way I go through managers. Love it. It makes me seem normal and successful because at least there's a ring in there somewhere. So I'm watching this game when I promised you I wouldn't. So I'm watching part of it. I didn't watch all of it. I admit that. I was following the Bucks game because, by the way, side note, Hulu, why don't you have a deal with NBA TV? I mean, I know why from a business standpoint because they're asking too much money for it, but still. So I couldn't watch the Bucks Pacers game and Giannis drop a 54 spot, but we still did win that pick of the day. But I'm watching the game from time to time, the football game. And I was just thinking about Frank Reich, who I have remember him as the backup quarterback in Buffalo, remember him as the starting quarterback in Buffalo. I think about Frank Reich as the architect of that huge playoff comeback. And Coco, we didn't prep this pre-show, so you have no idea when or where this could be. But there was a playoff game where he was down like 28 to three, or maybe that's the Tom Brady game. He was down a tremendous amount in a playoff game and came back to win. And I've just always liked him. And then he was the head coach of the Colts and now he's the head coach and he got this big deal. And this is his first year. And 
the Carolina Panthers are one and eight. And normally if you're one and eight and you're tanking for Tua, that's fine. It seems like a good idea. Or maybe you're tanking for Caleb, which I don't know if that's still a thing, but tanking is tanking. And there are a bunch of NFL teams who absolutely stink this year, almost unwatchable. The Giants, the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Panthers, the Bears, just unwatchable. When they play each other, it's even worse. And so Frank Reich maybe was told to do a job. Hey, let's get the number one pick next year. That makes perfect sense, except here's the problem. They can't get the number one pick next year. They traded it away already. Do you remember last season when Carolina made that huge trade to get the number one pick and they drafted that quarterback named Bryce Young, the Alabama guy? It was a big, big deal. New head coach, number one pick, everyone's excited. And then of course, CJ Stroud goes with the second pick and we all know the kind of year he's having. So Bryce Young is not having a good year. The Panthers are a bad team through and through. And the question is, will David Tepper be David Tepper? Is it even remotely a chance that Frank Reich is going to get fired? If you are an owner of a team and you've got a reputation of firing, you have two choices. I thought about this a lot. Do we want to perpetuate our reputation? Do we want to change it? And there have been instances where I wanted to change it, sign players long-term, so it can try to flip the script of, hey, you trade all your players. All you do is fire managers. Do you want to change that? Well, it'd be nice to have some continuity. Let's see if we can find someone and gain some continuity. Having impatience for losing. Quick trigger finger when it comes to rebuilding, switching plans, changing plans. I was able to overcome all sorts of reputations, but the one that I never did was the impatience of when a plan didn't work, I wouldn't give it a chance to work and then start a new plan. That's the one that I should have focused on though. Because when you look at successful teams, they come up with a plan and they stick to it until the time comes when they've made the realization or had the epiphany that the plan was bad and that the input that went into deciding how to either both, not either, to both have a plan and then execute a plan, there was a problem. There was user error. Is Bryce Young part of the user error? Is trading multiple picks to move up in the draft user error? Well, no, that's not the case because there are times when that works swimmingly. Is it possible that Frank Reich, if given the chance, will turn this team around in conjunction and combination with his general manager? So David Tepper is sitting here this morning. He's sleeping right now, but he's gonna wake up this morning and he's gonna think about the game to the extent he can even fall asleep. And he's gonna have to decide for himself, is this the time where I continue to be me? Or is this the time that I'm gonna look for my third head coach in three years? Before last night's game at one and seven, you could say, hey, He's already been thinking about that. But I think it's only after last night's game where he has to decide. 
What do you want to be? The fan base, the corporate base, anyone who's a Panthers fan has to be DBR, despondent beyond repair. You have to be. There's no hope in sight. You've mortgaged your future. You're pretty sure your number one, one quarterback stinks, so there's a chance he'll maybe grow to be better. And so as David Tepper thinks about what he wants to do with Frank Reich and thinks about what kind of owner he wants to be, how he wants to be remembered, maybe we take clues from the other things he does. What got much less press because Don Garber gets less press, the MLS gets less press, he owns the Charlotte Football Club. That's a major league soccer team. David Tepper just fired their coach and they made the playoffs. So in Charlotte, he's trying to find his third coach in three years. I think it's in with FC, not with the uh, Panthers, excuse me. So we know that he has a propensity to decide that, hey, whatever plan I thought was great, I'm willing to change it on the fly with a very small sample size. If you're Frank Reich, are you thinking about that? Are you so desperate that that's why you send out that absolute dud to kick that 59-yard field goal at the end of the game that was horrific? Is there desperation in your clubhouse? Is there desperation in your front office? These are things that an owner and a president have to be able to figure out. That's why you have to be around to understand what you're dealing with, what the issue is. Is it injuries? Is it players not performing to the ability of their back of their baseball card and therefore they're gonna eventually regress to the mean, meaning they're gonna get better? Or are they playing really well and they're gonna regress to the mean and get worse? One of the biggest things that you do as an owner and a president is evaluate timing. And we don't talk about it enough on this show. Timing, when to act. You know my 30-minute rule. Do not act within 30 minutes of a win or a loss. But every owner and every president and every GM has a different internal clock. Is David Tepper going to be temperamental? Is Frank Reich going to make it? Are he and Bill Belichick going to get canned in the same weekend? I guess we'll see. Not a wait to see, but we will see. God, I'm glad that game is over. Let's talk about uh, stomach ailments. No, I don't want to do that. My stomach feels good. I wasn't at the GM meetings. I want to talk about a business issue now that is beginning to be talked about more. And I've thought about this and tried to communicate it with you and I'm gonna try again, because I want everyone in every city to understand the significance of the regional sports network issue. Before you roll your eyes, oh my God, you're talking about it again? You're damn right I am. Because now we are seeing exactly what we told you you'd see. So you can be smarter and I can be smarter when we are having conversations with people, maybe less informed or less smart about the correlation between the bankruptcy of Diamond Sports Group, which controls the rights to 15 or 16 MLB teams, NBA teams, NHL teams, and player compensation. There are two teams in the Central Division that are worth talking about right now. Well, there's more than that, but I wanna focus on them. 
I have to give Milwaukee a little love. They're feeling pretty badly about themselves. They lost Craig Council. They can't believe it. And then no sooner does Craig Council go to the Cubs that the rumors out of the aforementioned stomach flu virus-inducing GM meetings that the Brewers are, quote, open for business. What an unfortunate expression because it's code word for fire sale. We used to say open for business, and the way we would say it is when you're having a call with a, another team or you have a meeting with a, another team's front office, hey, is uh, that guy available? Well, we talk about him. Are you willing to talk about that guy? Yes, yes, we talk about him too. What about that guy? You have to ask three times. When you're meeting with another team, it's a rule of three. You ask about a specific player. If you get a yes, you ask about another specific player. You get a yes. Then another specific player, you get a yes. Then you get to say, hold on. Is everybody available? Are you open for business? And if you get a yes to that, it's like leeches on a corpse. That's gotta be a mixed metaphor. Maybe not. That means that you will then get calls from 29 teams who are trying to poach your best player, thinking that you're desperate. And here's why. Being open for business is not because you've got the wrong players and you're starting over. Open for business is when your owner and president have called you up as the GM and said, hi, here's what we're doing. We're dropping payroll. It's time for you to rebuild. Well, it's not time. I think we have another year of our window. No, no, let me explain. The window is closed. We are now in the rebuilding phase. We are in the bottom of the bell curve and let's try to get it done in a jiffy, please. But we are cutting. Then the GM goes to the president and says, hey, the only way to get this done, we've got to move this player, this player, this player, and this player. And if we're going to move those players, we might as well move them all. To which some owners and presidents say, no, no, too much. And then the GM says, well, if you go halfway, you're going to be in the middle, you're going to be mediocre. And that's not the right way to do a rebuild. If you're going to do it, do it. Rip off that Band-Aid, don't go hair at a time. So the Milwaukee Brewers are open for business. And everybody was shocked to see a big picture on the internet of Christian Yelich. Does open for business mean that they're willing to trade Christian Yelich? Couple issues. One, a no trade clause. When you're open for business and you wanna do a total reset, you have to do what Mike Hill and the Marlins did to Giancarlo Stanton. It was, hey, you've got a no trade clause. Either let us trade you and we'll try to get you to the Yankees or to the Dodgers. But if you don't let us trade you and you stay here because, and Giancarlo didn't do this, but it's the Eduardo Rodriguez last season with the Tigers. Hey, don't trade me at the deadline thing. No problem. You can stay here, but you're going to be surrounded by minimum players and we won't even let you play. Christian Yelich has a no trade clause. He's got five years left, maybe $130 million. Right now, he's not marked to market. And so the Brewers would have to include money 
or include a lot of good young players with him. And that is not an insult to you, Yelly. That is just the way contracts are when they're marked to market versus when they're not. Why are the Brewers open for business? It's because of revenue. Diamond Sports Group and their ongoing bankruptcy is causing clubs to plan differently for 2024 than they otherwise would have planned. The Minnesota Twins have no deal. They have no regional sports network deal. When they carry around their one, three, and five-year payrolls and their one, three, and five-year projections, and you've got a long-term deal, you have that locked. There is no variance to your broadcast money. It's contractually obligated, and it always got paid. Until now. So the Minnesota Twins deal with Diamond, it ended. The Minnesota Twins don't have a TV deal, and they expected to get 50-plus million dollars. Now they're getting zero. So MLB will take over and replace a portion of that revenue, but it's an unknown portion. You don't know how well they'll be able to monetize the streaming rights. You don't know how much they'll get paid for putting it on either over the air or back on some cable network. Therefore, it is impossible to budget for that revenue because it's not fixed. So therefore, the Minnesota Twins GM was forced to tell you, hey, we're lowering our payroll. We're very sorry about that. And they called it a retreat. That's funny. Our payroll shall retreat. And then the Twins did something, and Dave St. Peter, their president, knows better. I wanted to hear from the president, not the GM. It's not nice to make the GM give this quote. The GM said, we've pushed our payroll to heights that we had never pushed it before with the support and certainty of ownership. We know there is some natural ebb and flow to that. Will it be where it was last year? I don't expect that. The reason I want the president to talk about this is what Derek Falvey is not telling you. It has nothing to do with what you expect or don't expect they know exactly what their payroll is for next year. If your GM does not have his payroll from his president and we are on no in November, then you've got a bad president. You have a real problem. And the real problem is that there is no possible way at all to run a team without knowing what is your payroll. And if you know that you've lowered your payroll because of the TV deal, that's the president. That's not the GM. And it's not just the twins. There will be team after team who have these deals. Just take the Marlins. The Marlins just signed a new deal a couple years ago where they expected a huge increase in revenue from their TV deal. Guess what? There's no way to know what's going to happen in bankruptcy. That deal may go away. Do you think they want to go out and sign three or four year deals and project their payroll, assuming that that broadcast deal with its natural increases is fixed? They can't do it. This Diamond Sports Group bankruptcy and reorganization under Chapter 11 continues to have 
wide-ranging tentacles. The NBA just cut a deal with them to make sure that all NBA teams were getting paid this year. And part of that deal is that all of the rights for all of the teams that used to be held by Diamond are reverting back to the NBA at the end of this year. That's not a coincidence. It's brilliant. Adam Silver and the NBA will control all of these teams' NBA rights and all of their digital rights. You think that may come up when they're doing their national broadcast negotiations? I'm just asking. I'm asking for a friend. Guess what? It's going to. All right, when we come back, I want to talk about a movie that my daughter's boyfriend actually was an assistant editor on, which is super cool. And it just was available to buy, and I watched it last night or the night before in the middle of the night. It's called Dumb Money, and I want to explain to people who may not understand what happened with GameStop and what a short squeeze is. And then we're going to talk about the Oakland A's because we have an update there for all of the A's fans and for all people who are worried that their team one day could leave. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's Friday, November 10th. Thank you all. DavidSampsonPodcast.com. We are coming out when uh, it's Black Friday, a week from Friday, two weeks from Friday. We're going to have a cool sale on davidsampsonpodcast.com. Get your merchandise, great Christmas presents, great Hanukkah presents. There's great merch there. Enjoy it. I just got a shipment, Coca, of the horse hockey and the No Chance Toilet Pants hoodie. I like the quality of the hoodies, although I have not several nothing personal hoodies already. Is it weird that that's what I wear now? Why is that weird? Not to me. All right. I watch a movie every day. I watched Dumb Money. Dumb Money is a movie about the GameStop saga. If you don't remember GameStop, that was the big deal a couple years ago where this ridiculous company that sells video games with really retail mall locations 
the stock, which was an absolute crappy stock, all of a sudden became this amazing stock that went nothing but up, up, up. The movie is a poor man's big short, and that's not an insult. It's hard to be the big short by Adam McKay, which talked about the housing crisis in 2008, 2009. This movie is entertaining. Paul Dano, one of the best actors, best young actors, though I don't know how young he is anymore. Maybe he's in his 30s now or 40s. Little Miss Sunshine, There Will Be Blood. Anyway, you've seen him. Outstanding. American Ferrara, fantastic. Shalene Woodley, Roger's girlfriend, outstanding. The entire movie is quick-paced. It was a zero phone check movie. Dumb money. Congratulations to all who worked on it. Brilliant. But I want to explain, not but, and. I don't like when people do that. Four, seven, 69. A brilliant movie called Dumb Money and I want to explain the underlying issue because I have spoken to so many people who don't understand what a short squeeze is. They don't understand what happened and how people either got rich or got poor. The story behind the GameStop saga is that there were a bunch of retail investors. A retail investor is you, it's me. It's someone who doesn't work for an investment bank, who doesn't work for a hedge fund. By the way, Steve Cohn shows up in this movie, the owner of the Mets, played by Vincent Donforio. A retail investor is someone who goes online and says, I'd like to buy 10 shares of Facebook. And you can go on all these different Ameritrade or all these different websites, and you can buy stock. There are people who sit around day trading, thinking that they can do this for a living. Some people can, just like some people can play basketball for a living. Not many, but some can. There's way more basketball players who are rec league players. A rec league investor is someone who's guaranteed to tear their hamstring. But here's what happened. There was a guy, just a guy. His name is Keith. He was on the internet, on YouTube, doing videos, telling you about things he invested in. And he noticed that there was something called a potential short squeeze with this company called GameStop. Here's what that quickly means. If you sell a stock before you buy it, think about the concept of doing anything. I want to sell you a 1969 Chevy Corvette. Great. I'll buy it from you. Done. What if you don't own the 69 Corvette? You have to go buy it. What if you have to buy it for more than what you sold it for to this other person? You're going to lose money. If you know that you can get something for cheaper than you sell it, you sell it to somebody, I'm gonna sell you this old original iPhone for 10 grand. I've got my old original iPhone, no problem. I sold it to you for 10 grand, I have it, I can give it to you. If I know where I can buy that old original iPhone for five grand, great, 
I've sold it to this guy for 10. I go buy it from that guy for five and I've got myself a $5,000 profit. Yes. What happens when you do that with stocks? I am going to sell you GameStop stock at $5 a share. Great. I'm happy to buy it from you for $5. But you don't own the stock yet. You have made a promise that you will sell those shares. You have to then buy those shares. You don't have them in your drawer. What happens when the stock is at 20 when you have promised to sell it at five? You have a problem. However, you can wait it out. Wait for the stock to get back down to three. Then you can buy it at three. You've already sold it at five. You've got a contract to sell it at five. You better buy it by this date. A short squeeze is when you've got to give those shares at $5 to someone on November 10th. You go to the market on November 10th or any day prior, and you have to buy the shares to fulfill what you've already sold. But oh Christ, the stock's at 20. You're screwed. A short squeeze is when you're coming to that date, you've got to fulfill your end of the contract. And there were major hedge funds who had taken significant short positions. They had sold tons of shares, just say millions of shares. They had to buy them. They couldn't buy them without losing an arm and a leg, like going out of business type of losses. And the reason why the stock kept going up is retail investors banded together on some internet site. And they all said, we're going to buy and we're never going to sell and we're going to drive the price up. What a brilliant idea. You can get rich because if you buy a stock at 20 and it goes to 100 or you buy a stock at five and it goes to 20, you're getting rich. I mean, if you buy one share, you make $15, but you buy 100 shares, buy 1,000 shares. Except you don't get rich because you're rich on paper. You can't go into a bank and borrow money to buy a mansion because you're rich on paper. All people, and that, that's not fair of me, Coca. Not all people. An overwhelming majority of people thought it was principled and brilliant to take down these billionaire hedge fund guys and they refused to sell their GameStop stock when they had bought it at 10 and it was now at 100 because they wanted to keep squeezing the billionaires, make sure that they can't buy at 100 what they sold at five, that they have to buy at 150 or 200 or 250. And guess what? The overwhelming majority of these ordinary retail people lost their money because eventually the stock went back down and that was it. There are good lessons to be learned. If you want to take someone down, that's fine. You want to protest, you want to not use their products, great. But to your detriment, to your financial detriment, what exactly principle were you proving? Idiocy? And I'm not saying that fans of the Oakland A's 
are idiots. I want to be very clear. I respect fans of the Oakland A's. I think relocation, not my smoothest segue, Coca. I think relocation is difficult on the city where the team is leaving because fans are upset. Generations of fans are upset. And you know that city's going to spend more money at the end of the day, more taxpayer money to get a team back. I want to give a little update of what's happening in Oakland because next week there's an owner's meeting in Arlington where there is going to be a vote on the relocation of the A's to Vegas. And making its way around the internet now are several things that Oakland A's fans and the mayor is doing to try to affect that vote and impact that vote. There is a terrific 10-minute video circulating about the passion of Oakland A's fans. There is a letter that is circulating that was sent to all owners, a box of goodies that was sent to owners who have a vote in whether the A's relocate. And every effort that is being made, every effort that is being made will change the minds of exactly zero owners. The impact of all the work that people are doing, and I'm sorry to say it like this, will have zero impact. Not one vote will change. The strategy to pull at the heartstrings of a Major League Baseball owner is flawed. The strategy of a public official to publicly attempt to bring truth to power and bring light on the subject of what Oakland was offering, what's available, what could have happened at Howard Terminal as a way to pressure owners into whatever their vote's gonna be is zero. If you want to keep Oakland in Oakland, your politicians need to be negotiating with Major League Baseball and figuring out whether or not John Fisher will actually do a deal with you not doing it through the media, not doing it publicly. Major League Baseball owners will vote and they will approve the A's relocation. But here's the good news. It doesn't mean the A's are relocating to Vegas. There are still so many things that need to happen that unless they're being done under the cover of darkness, and unless there's not been one investigative journalist who has been able to uncover a signed construction agreement between the A's and the city of Vegas and the county and the state in Nevada. Unless there is a operating agreement that has been executed, these are hundreds of pages. Can you see the books behind me? I don't know if you can, but the stadium agreements are this thick. Those aren't negotiated yet. Where's the deal between the A's and MGM? All you're hearing is that John Fisher showed the CEO of MGM the design of the building and it looked great. It's a bunch of poppycock. It doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter if the renderings are real or not real. There needs to be an agreement, an executed agreement. Has the board of MGM, it's a public company, has there been any sort of disclosure about what that deal looks like? Who's gonna operate the stadium? Who's gonna construct the stadium? How, is the, how are the mechanics of construction going to work? When's the public money coming in? First, middle, last? The flow of funds. And that's one part of a 
200-page agreement. Major League Baseball owners are not approving all of these documents. They are approving the concept of the relocation. They are getting the vote, which means should the A's jump over all of these hurdles, they don't need to get a vote from the owners anymore. The vote will be in the pocket of John Fisher, in the pocket of Rob Manford as additional leverage, but it doesn't mean the moving trucks are being backed up. One of the biggest issues that Rob Manford talked about is this referendum in Nevada. And the referendum is schools over stadiums. It's trying to get the public money that's going to the stadium to go to schools instead. And they're trying to have it on a ballot. And to put it on the ballot, they need a certain number of signatures. The Oakland A's hired lobbyists to sue this organization to make sure that referendum never happens. Now, you haven't read that because it's just lobbyists. The Oakland A's, hands off. It wasn't us. Give me a break. The court ruled this week that the A's and their lobbyists were correct, that the referendum was not a legal referendum, and that that organization, Schools Over Stadiums, could not start to collect signatures. Guess what? That wasn't exactly the real ruling. The real ruling was more procedural, is that the language of the referendum as presented was not proper. You can fix that. The signatures were not needed by today. They didn't miss a deadline. There are deadlines. There's plenty of time to get the needed signatures and to get the referendum correctly worded. Rob Manford received a letter from schools over stadiums saying, hey, we're not quitting. As a matter of fact, we're going after your $380 million, which means that John Fisher, to relocate, has to have a contingency plan in place where he's willing to fund or find funding for that funding gap. Maybe it comes from the city, maybe it comes from the county, maybe it comes privately, maybe it comes from baseball, no chance toilet pants. But under any scenario, you've got to have financing complete. Before financing is complete, you can't have an executed construction agreement. Where's the money coming from? It's outlined in those agreements where every dollar is coming from for construction, for pre-construction, for post-construction. So many issues are incomplete. Then why is MLB voting this November? Why are they so set on voting? Because at the end of the day, getting 75% of the owners to agree for the A's to relocate to Vegas is easier than figuring out why there was a virus at the GM meetings. It's no problem. The owners are going to vote yes, but it doesn't mean the A's are relocating. Don't give up. I'm not giving up. I want the A's to stay, and baseball does too. Vegas is no slam dunk, and baseball knows it. Oh, side note. What's the TV deal in Vegas? I'll worry about that later. Uh-uh. Nothing personal pick of the day. We are back to 500. I have had a weird, I, it, it's like we're in the NBA game where you're down 20 and you work your way back to down two or tie and then you lose by eight. Every time I get to 500, I lose four or five in a row and then I get hot again. 
We had the Pacers over the Bucks. I had it at Pacers plus four. The line moved to only one and a half, but it didn't matter. The Pacers won the game. So we are 164 and 164. I want to give you three picks of Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm going to spend the weekend watching sports. Tonight, it's the in-season tournament in the NBA. How excited are you to look at those ugly courts again? So we've done well with the Celtics who have lost two in a row. The poor Brooklyn Nets are about to figure out what it is when a really good team loses two in a row because they're not going to lose three. Celtics eight and a half over the Nets. Then tomorrow I'm going to join Coke and his friends virtually as they figure out if they're watching one of the greatest football games of all time. I'm going to see if Chris Hassel is available. Shout out to you, Chris. I'm going to watch Iowa and Rutgers because their over under is 28 and a half. Yes, that's true. I've never seen an over under with a two handle. And guess what? We're going under 28 and a half in the Iowa Rutgers game. And then Sunday, I'm going to have a little schadenfreude over the Packers and their desire to go with Jordan Love, who it turns out is terrible. Steelers and Mike Tomlin, I give credit to that organization. I love their continuity. What is it, uh, Coca? Chuck Noll, Bill Cower, and Mike Tomlin? Have they like had three head coaches in 40 years or something? I love that. We're taking the Steelers three and a half over the Packers. All right, I wanna close the show by catching you up on something that happened yesterday and what's going on with Ole Miss and their coach Lane Kiffin in a lawsuit. And let me give you the background. There's a player named DeSanto Rollins and DeSanto Rollins is suing Ole Miss and he's suing them for $10 million in compensatory damages and then 30 million in punitive. So he's trying to get rich, no problem. What he's suing them for is that he was discriminated against that there was sex discrimination, that Ole Miss failed to provide equal protection to him. And the cause of action is based on DeSanto Rollins being told that he had lost his job, was job, keep in mind that I use that word, pay attention. That he had lost his job, was gonna be reassigned within the football team. He didn't wanna be reassigned. He then said, I've got mental health issues. I need to take a break. And he was not allowed to take a break. And he is suing because in his mind, when women need a mental health break at Ole Miss, they get it. As a man, he wants that, didn't get it. That's sex discrimination. Everything's complicated with this lawsuit. But what's simple is what Lane Kiffin actually said to DeSanto Rollins in a conversation that was legally taped in a one-party consent state. And I want you to listen to what Lane Kiffin said. You would have come here when you kept getting messages, the head coach wants to talk to you and you saying, I'm not ready to talk to him. What was it? Well, what world do you live in? I don't see why you got to be disrespectful, honestly. Get out of here. Go. Go. You're off the team. You're done. 
See ya. See ya. Because I'm... See ya. Go. Go. And guess what? We can kick you off the team. So go read your f***ing rights about mental health. We can kick you off the team for not showing up. When the head coach has to meet with you and you don't show up for weeks, okay, we can remove you from the team. It's called being a push. It's called hiding behind and not showing up to work. That was Lane Kiffin in a meeting with DeSanto Rollins. At the risk of being unpopular, which I've never really minded that risk, I would like to point out a couple things. I am pleased and I have been a strong advocate of mental health. I am pleased that mental health is now considered in the same vein mostly as physical health. I am pleased that there have been people and players and just people in general willing to speak more openly about mental health issues. The problem is if you are going to have mental health be treated the same as physical health, then you must abide by the rules. When you break your ankle, you got to tell the trainer and then you've got to get an x-ray. There has to be proof that your ankle was broken and then you get a rehab plan and you got to do your rehab or else you're in violation of your contract. When you are sick or hurt, you show up to school or to work and you meet with the trainers and the doctors. If we want mental health to be treated the same as physical health and mental well-being to be treated the same as physical well-being, and I agree they should be, then the same rules apply. What Lane Kiffin so non-eloquently stated is that Rollins couldn't be contacted, unreachable, disappeared, didn't show up. Unfortunately, they used the word didn't show up to work. I don't like that because they're not employees. It's not work, it's school. The team, don't say, don't come to work. You didn't come to work. But why can't we hold the player responsible or an employee responsible that even when they're having mental health issues that they show up to a meeting with a therapist, to a meeting with a coach, giving updates. We get updates all the time on physical injuries. We go check on players all the time. Oh, there's hippo rules. Can't talk about what's going on. Yeah, that's not exactly how it works with teams. The stigma of mental health must still exist to the point where people are happy to talk about their back or their ankle or their shoulder. They're not happy to talk about when they have problems with their girlfriends or problems with, with family, problems with whatever depression, whatever issue, and they are all as important as a physical problem. Some I would argue are more important, but it doesn't eliminate responsibility. So what Rollins has to prove is that A, he was treated differently, but B, that he did what he was supposed to do. And again, I'm not happy for Lane Kiffin. I don't like the tone but there's a lot of bosses who have bad tones when they're talking to their employees. There's a lot of bosses who say things that are probably not eloquent. But the underlying issue, it stays. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. And what I have a feeling is going to happen 
there will be some sort of settlement because these these audio tapes and these videos and this entire story for Ole Miss is a bad one. So you don't want to continue it in court. You don't want people testifying. You want it to go away. That's it. Thank you for your time. I went over by a minute and I apologize for that. I want everyone to have a great weekend. Be safe. Let's be careful out there. And remember, we'll be back Monday live at 8 a.m. It's just business. This has been another full week of It's Nothing Personal. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>